You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. If you expect to get somebody who's godly, you better become godly. There's a whole lot less chance to get somebody who's godly if you're not godly. And then get somebody that's willing to leave father and mother. All right? And last thing, and I'm, I told you, I'm giving you these quickly, quickly, quickly. But listen, realize no human made is perfect except Jesus. Jesus is the only, only, he's the only perfect spouse. You think you got, you think you got a perfect one? I don't know how many... Uh, maybe a few hours it'll take you after marriage and you'll realize that's, that's not true. Today, Pastor Danny will remind the single people in the church that if you're looking for a godly spouse, you need to be what you're looking for. You can't expect to find a spouse who has a beautiful relationship with the Lord if you yourself are struggling to make time for the Lord in your own life. Pastor Danny will also remind you that dating is not evangelism. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked. This means to not be married to someone who isn't a Christian. You can't save anyone through dating them. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 24 as he begins his message, A Bride for Isaac. Before we begin reading chapter 24, let me give you the background. The last few verses of chapter 22, if you were with us and you remember, uh, it says verse 20 of chapter 22, sometime later Abraham was told, Milcah is also a mother. Uh, She's born sons to your brother Nahor. And then it lists all the the sons there. Uh, And Bethuel became the father of Rebekah, verse 23. And then verse 24, his concubine, whose name was Rumah, also had sons. So uh, Abraham's brother and his family having all kind of kids. And remember, we noted the Holy Spirit puts that there because it comes right on the heel of finally now uh, Abraham and Sarah having the miracle child, Isaac, who is a type of Christ. And then years later, as he's a young man, God tells Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, offer him on Mount Moriah, which is Mount Calvary. That's where Mount Calvary is anyway, on, on Mount ancient Mount Moriah. And we covered that uh, last time. Uh, So again, it's a test because God had said uh, he's going to make your children through Isaac as numerous as the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. Well, now he hears that his brother's having all these kids and now he's got the child. Uh, He's basically got him back from the dead, figuratively speaking, uh, because he's a type of Christ and being offered there on on the mountain. But now he's got to trust the Lord. It's another test. He's got to trust the Lord because his brother's having all these kids. And now Isaac, uh, if his children are going to be as numerous as God has promised, right, what's he need? He needs a bride. He needs a bride. 
scholars suggest Isaac uh, in this chapter is about 40 years old. I tried to find out uh, how to find out. If somebody's smart, Keith, you're probably smart and can tell me afterwards, oh yeah, he was 40 years old. Anyway, he's, he's older and uh, he needs a bride. So chapter 24, verse 1, Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. And he said to the chief servant in his household, the chief servant is probably Eliezer, but it's interesting we're not given his name here. The one in charge of all that he had. Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. I I always like to point out now, this is not um, a racist kind of thing uh, that's happening here. It's a spiritual thing. You don't get a wife from Canaan because they don't serve the God of Israel. We need a wife for him who serves the same God. That's what he's saying. And uh, he says, swear to me. Uh, put your hand to my thigh. Why, why is that? Well, I'll read you an old version from Genesis 46, 26. All the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins. <laughs> That's the way it puts it. That's the idea of putting the hand on the thigh. And, uh, because the idea is... It representative of the, of the children that will be produced. Children were said to be from the loins or the thigh of their father. So it's called swearing by posterity. I think you got that now, all right? So here's what he says to the servant. And the servant, verse 5, asks him, practical question. What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there. Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, saying to your offspring, I'll give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you'll be released from this oath of mine. Only don't take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. And it was a serious thing. And the only way he can get out of uh, now getting a bride uh, is if the woman is not willing to come back. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim, and he made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then, very important, verse 12, he prayed. Good thing to do. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. It'll be unmistakable. He's got 10 camels. 
They tell me a camel can drink up to 20 gallons of water, one camel. So the girl that's going to be willing to water the 10 camels, she's a servant. She's a servant. Because it's going to take, they estimate, about an hour of hard work to water 10 camels. So that's the sign. It'll be unmistakable. But notice verse 15. Isn't this so cool? This is so cool. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Only a few times. Before he had finished praying. Before he had finished praying. Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. Now, I'm not talking about this has happened to me several times that I found a girl this way. I I just started to think what I just said. You know, that's not the deal uh, here. Just, Just, you know... Before you finish praying, it's like God sends the answer. That's what I mean. So just so there's no rumors going out here that aren't true out here. Uh, before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. The girl was very beautiful. A virgin. No man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. And the servant hurried to meet her and said, here he goes, here's the question, please give me a little water from your jar. And here's what she says, drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they finish drinking. I'd like to see the dude's face. I mean, really. I mean, he just must have gone, wow. Did he look up to heaven? Did he say in his mind and his heart, thank you, Lord? So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord made his journey successful. Come on, man. What do you mean? Is your name Gideon? (laughs) When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a beaker. Uh, That's about a fifth of an ounce, they tell me. Uh, Actually, I just keyed and looked at the bottom of the uh, page there, and that's what it told me. Uh, He took out a gold nose ring weighing uh, a beaker and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. And then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? So obviously gold nose rings were in then, and that's maybe a biblical reason to talk to your mom and dad about you getting one. But she answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. And then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. And the girl ran, told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, and he hurried out to to the man at the spring. And as soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I've prepared the house and a place for the camels. Now, just a little side note before we go on. 
Uh, you're going to learn more about Laban. Maybe some of us already know. Um, Laban is going to become the uncle of uh, Jacob. Remember, a heel grabber, Jacob. And uh, Jacob and Laban, Uncle Laban, have a lot in common. Uh, they're both deceivers. And uh, if you know about Laban, it seems that if you read between the lines, he's more interested in, in what the servant has <laughs> uh, than he is for anything else. But that's a story for another day when we get to the story of Jacob and Laban. So the man, verse 32, um, went to the house. The camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. And then food was set before them, but he said, I will not eat until I've told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly. He's become wealthy. He's given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men's servants, maid servants, camels and donkeys. In other words, Abraham's a rich dude. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. So Isaac is the heir to everything his rich father owns. My master made me swear an oath, and he said, You must not get a wife from my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family, to my own clan, and get a wife from my son. And when I asked my master, What if the woman will not come back with me? He said, The Lord before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife from my son, from my own clan and from my father's family. Then when you go to my clan, you'll be released from my oath, even if they refuse to give her to you. You'll be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I'm standing beside this spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And if she says uh, to me, drink and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out. With her jar on her shoulder, she went down to the spring, drew water, and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder, said, drink, and I'll water your camels too. So I drank. And she watered the camels also. And I asked her, whose daughter are you? Now, I understand we're reading the story again, but it's the Bible. So come on. Uh, then uh, she said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. And then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms. And I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you'll show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so that I may know which way to turn. And Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go. And let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother. You know, he's happy about that. And to her mother. And then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother, Laban, and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so, then you may go. But he said to them, don't detain me. 
Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, send me on my way so that I may go to my master. And they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? And here's what she says. I will go. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah, and they said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. It's a great story. Well, that's not the end of it. Verse 62, before I read it, We have not seen Isaac since Mount Moriah. That's important. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai, Roy, for he was living in the Negev. And he went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. And then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. No waiting for the honeymoon. No long engagement. What a love story. That's all. You can go home. Let me throw you a little something, uh, first of all, practically speaking. Uh, How many of you are single here? How many of you are single? Look how many single people are here tonight. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, put your hands down. How many parents of at least one single child? How many parents of at least one single child? Okay, listen up. Both parents, both parents and uh, singles, listen. There's some practical things here. I'm just going to go quickly on these, okay? I'm going to go quickly on these. Uh, parents, pray for your child's future spouse. Seriously. Oh, God, oh, God, may you lead them to the one that you have for them, all right? Um, Keep yourself pure for the mate God has for you. You who are single tonight, keep yourself pure. Sexual immorality is wrong because it, it, see, the whole picture of the marriage relationship uh, is a picture of Christ in the church. That's why sex outside of holy matrimony is sin, okay? That's why it's sin. Keep yourself pure for the mate uh, God has for you. You're going to have to develop and maintain self-control, take cold showers, do whatever you got to do. Keep yourself pure. Don't choose a mate from Canaan. Now, you know what I mean? That's spiritually speaking. Not, not just if they go to church with you. You know, you want, you want to hear them pray. You want to know they read the word and they hear the word. and they, You want to know they know Jesus. All right? All right? To make sure they... Not, I've seen so many people just duped, you know, because the guy or the gal goes to church with them. And then, and then they end up marrying them and find out after they got married... They don't know God. They don't know God at all. Don't choose a mate from Canaan. Look for someone with godly character. Now, if you expect to get somebody who's godly, you better become godly. 
There's a whole lot less chance to get somebody who's godly if you're not godly. And they get somebody that's willing to leave father and mother. All right? And last thing, and I'm, I told you, I'm giving you these quickly, quickly, quickly. But listen, realize no human made is perfect except Jesus. Jesus is the only, only, he's the only perfect spouse. You think you got, you think you got a perfect one? I don't know how many, uh, maybe a few hours it'll take you after marriage and you'll realize that's, that's just not true. That's just not true. But now, look, that's some practical things. And you can get this right from the story, right from the story. All right. And that's biblical. But here's the bigger picture in the story. Much bigger picture. I already mentioned, and I think we know, Isaac is a type. You know what I mean by type? A representation. Uh, his life, uh, his conception, uh, and all that, and his uh, willingness to be offered at the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. He's a type of Christ. He speaks of Christ. All right? That's clear. Very clear. The servant, I'm convinced, the servant in the story that's sent now, to get a bride for Isaac is a type of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced of that. It's interesting, again, his name is never mentioned in this story. It's probably Eliezer that uh, Abraham mentioned earlier. Remember when uh, God tries to encourage him that they are going to indeed have a child, he and Sarah. Uh, and he says, Abraham says to God, well, my heir is going to be this Eliezer of Damascus. This guy is serving in my household. And God says, no, nah, he's not going to be the one. He's not going to be the one. So it's probably Eliezer, but his name is not mentioned. Now that's interesting because Eliezer means God of help or helper. And catch this. Say this with me. Ready? When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. I believe the servant's a type of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, his job is to glorify the Father and glorify Jesus, not to glorify himself. Catch this. Rebecca's a humble servant. I could spend time on that, but I just want to say, look, uh, Rebecca, she's the bride. Who does she represent? The church. Just a couple of quick verses. Be completely humble and gentle. That's what God expects of his bride. Uh, serve one another humbly in love, Galatians 5, 13. The church, you and me. The virginity of the bride, that's very interesting. And the Holy Spirit notes for us in the story that she's a virgin. She's a virgin. Listen to this one. I am jealous for you, Paul says, with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's the challenge. Her virginity in the real life story of Isaac and Rebecca, her virginity is a spiritual lesson for us. That we need to be devoted to Christ. Devoted to Christ. Keep ourselves pure for him. Because look, we're not, technically, we're not married yet in the sense of the physical union. Are you, are you with me? All right, we're going to come back to that in a minute, I think. 
Uh, Rebecca agrees to marry Isaac before she ever sees him. Isn't that interesting? I mean, what a story. There's more to discover from Pastor Danny's series in the book of Genesis, so be sure to tune in again next time to The Living Word. This book of the Bible is where it all began, the record of the first human beings to ever walk the earth. It's stories of hope, of promise, of heartache and betrayal, all surrounded by the love of God for His creation. He could have given up on the human race long ago, but He didn't. God knew that we'd fall. He knew that our sin would separate us from Him. And that's why from the very beginning, from that first betrayal, God revealed a plan for salvation. That plan included His Son, Jesus Christ, who would come to the earth to die in our place. Now you have the opportunity to be free from your sin. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? We want to talk with you, so please get in touch with us. You can email us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccf stpete.church. We want to invite you to join us for church as well. Visit ccfstpete.church to get service times and directions. Not all of our on-campus activities are being held right now, so be sure to read through the latest updates at our website. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. We're excited to meet you. That's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us to study through the book of Genesis right here on The Living Word. Oh,